0: When it's talking about the beauty of the mothers, and when it's talking about the beauty that is chen, that is sheker, the ha chen, the the is very important, because it's not saying Sarah's chen, or Rifka's chen, or Rafa's or Leah's chen. It's saying the beauty, beauty, just the beauty, that beautiful abstract thing. That's beauty standards. It's not beauty in its essence. In
1: Hi, I'm Tanya, and this is Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Eloy Nishmas Liora Tova Bas Rachamim, by her friends at Relationshift, an organization that she loved and supported in her lifetime. In the words of her friends, Liora was a woman whose holy wasn't struggling with her human, a woman who cared deeply for everyone around her, and lived for others. Her memory inspires us constantly, and this episode should be on Aliyah for her neshama. If you would like to sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast on Patreon, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash humanandholy, or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. In today's episode, we tackle body image. I spoke to Basia Wunsch, a woman who is studying to work in prosthetics and is also very involved in the disability community, about how the Torah can guide us in how we view our bodies. On the one hand, the Torah often compliments and celebrates people's beauty. And on the other hand, we say sheker hachin. Beauty is empty. So what should our relationship be to our own beauty? What do we tell ourselves when we do not like the way we look in the mirror? Pulling from a gorgeous talk of the Lubavitcher Rebbe on the women's contribution to the Mishkan, Basia outlines how the Torah's perspective can transform the way we see ourselves.
0: My name is Basia wunsch Ryder now, and I originally was studying prosthetics and orthotics which i thought that was my raison d'être my like reason you know wow. like this is how i'm going to express this part of myself and i had always been very into advocating for the disability community because i was just very exposed and i was always very into it we'll get into it a little bit more but i was very into it because i had this perception of what part of a person we're supposed to be really looking at Mm. In terms of body image and how we look at ourselves, in terms of how we look at ability and disability is how we look at just people, what we're really looking at. And my vision was like very clear on that from a young age. And the way that I saw that community being treated, I was like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Is based on everything I know and everything I am? That's not it. (laughs) So that was like a big fixation for me. And I found the field of prosthetics and orthotics and I was really, really into it. And I still am. I'm studying for the exam. And whatever I'm not working right now in prosthetics, I'm working for a friendship circle. And it's the same field. It's the same community that we serve, but a different faction of that community. I love working there. And I love that part of my life. And that's me, I guess. Those are the main things I'm into. I also mean, artist, also, also photographer. Also, oh, yeah, photography. Well, all, for me, it's all the same thing. To me, what I love doing with photography is this in terms of body image and also ability is showing someone beauty where they weren't beauty. And we're we're using that term. Nobody can see my air quotes, but that's a heavy word that we're going to get into. But we're using that word really loosely, showing them beauty in places where they weren't necessarily seeing it before. I do that with my photography. I do that with any advocacy thing that I do. I do that with programming, with outreach to the community, whatever. That's what I'm trying to do whether it's the person themselves or people observing them.
1: Okay, I am so excited to talk to you. I feel like the world right now is just flooded with talk about body image. What type of body image should we have? Where should our sense of body confidence come from? Who decides what makes someone beautiful? These are questions that I think a lot of people ask themselves. A lot of us are asking ourselves, and I'm just so excited to explore this from the perspective of Torah. So if you could start just by sharing a little bit about how you got into just wanting to know the Taurus perspective on body image.
0: Okay, so I always had that intrinsic perspective. I think that my mother instilled it in me, but then I definitely nurtured it to a level further that when I talk about it with my family, they're like, yeah, most people just don't see it like you do. And to me, it's so clearly that way. That it was very, very frustrating for me, growing up from sphere in the Hasidic sphere, where I had direct access to this highest level of truth and this highest mm. level of perspective, and then to th- then have those same people really seem to not have perspective on this beauty vanity thing. Mm. And also, seemingly that there are times in Torah or sometimes there's Torah sources that are quoted that seems like, <laughs> this is actually it, like you're supposed to be a beautiful creature that's just that's what we do we're saying like sources in Torah that praise beauty it seemed like a convoluted message from Mm. what I thought essence and your soul and everything is supposed to be it was and you're also supposed to be like in the sequin dress with your hair whatever and that's also very important because it has to do with Shaduchim and it's very important to be in Shaduchim and it's very important to keep up just all the things that we're told that are triggering since I've been working on this I was just at a family wedding, which usually for me, weddings are very triggering. Everyone's commenting on how tiny and amazing everyone looks, but like the Mm. words that are chosen are sometimes really why tiny need to be the word minimizing, Mm. minimizing. Yeah. Oh, it's sometimes so minimizing and I, it upsets me. And it actually, since I've been doing more of this work, I was able to see it does come from the most well-intentioned place. It comes from a place of I want you to believe that you have value, but it's so misplaced sometimes because mm. it's also such a fine line. When we get into the Sikha that I was so excited to tell you about, it so easily goes from being something holy to the lowest of the low in a snap. It was so frustrating for me <laughs> to be in an environment where, at the one hand, we're tapped into like the highest of essence, and on the other hand, It seems like there's a real level of vanity here, which seems Mm. so surface and base. It was hard for me to hold space for that duality, that it's this and it's also this. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go to these other communities who are so woke on the internet, and they're going to (laughs) know how to reconcile all of this. And they do not know. I've, some people have they know therapeutic methods. They some people know some things. I'm not going to say nobody knows anything, but they don't have some magical perspective on shifting this because we're all very deeply enmeshed in this society that we don't even realize that is constantly selling us certain images. So even the images that are trying to promote body acceptance or inclusion or whatever are also so image based what makes this so interesting is I very much appreciate aesthetics. I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. I love color and pattern and shape and form. And I love that. But I don't like when it's deception or I don't like when it's an idol. I don't like when it's something to be served in itself or something that has, when it's talking about the care, which we'll get into later, but they say it's only used in preparation. It's used in preparation of something. And, when Rabbi Tab, when he talks about happiness, he talks about using it as a tool, using it in preparation, using it that it has a goal, that your happiness is a goal so that you should be able to serve Hashem without obstructing your own strength and without obstructing your own mission and your own purpose. So when you use happiness as a tool for that, then you're able to achieve your mission. But if you make happiness the goal, or if you mm. make, I need to look beautiful nice. the goal, then we are setting ourselves up for a cycle of misery. Yeah. I love that. I mean,
1: we're obviously going to speak more about that, what it means that it's just in preparation of something else. I like how you said that sometimes even in a spiritually focused community, you could internalize the world's perspective on what a body is, which is that body is first and foremost in your identity. Whereas... The Torah really clearly states, and specifically Hasidus, that it's really soul first, essence first, and then body as a vehicle to express the essence. There's actually a line from a really famous book about this called More Than a Body, and the tagline is, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. I interpret that to mean is that your body is an instrument to express your essence, your talents, to fulfill your mission in this world. Your body is not an ornament, and when we speak about beauty in the Torah, we speak about it in the way that you're saying why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've seen in Torah about this topic?
0: You just said something that reminds me of something that I originally heard. Well, uh, we'll, well let's just go. say there's a model who's an amputee who is one of the people who before I found the Torah perspective was one of the people who I was. she really knows. And you know what? She knows a lot of things. One of the things she was once explaining was that the people who are marketing their idea of beauty to you need your idea of beauty to be very, very narrow. So that you need more and more and more things to fit into it. So there's something to be said about the eyebrows and the eyelashes and the cheekbones and the pores and the hair follicles and your Ugh. nail beds. And you can do your cuticles and you can get acrylics and you can wax and laser and... Before we even get into the size of you can, your body. Before we, before we... You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a million different ways that you can fix it and you can mm. fit in this little box and you will be the thing that they need you to be. So. Those people work very hard to curate that image. Mm. And these people are very good at their jobs of making you feel like you are lacking things. And it literally becomes almost like a worship of, I need to do this and I need to do that. and It's a whole ritual. I think that a lot of this work has to be realizing that these messages are everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. So you don't have to feel guilty if you think one of them, but you can do the work of identifying that's not my thought. This is a thought that was given to me by force so that I would buy things. And I have it here because it's just, it's here. Unless you're not on social media at all, you don't buy magazines, you don't look at billboards, you don't go in the store. You know, if you're really focused and I commend you, but the rest of us are exposed to this. And unless you're so strong-minded, steel-minded that none of these thoughts, not one, is going to impact your mind, these thoughts are going to be in your head. It's not a practical initial goal, to be like, I don't want to think it at all. Or even to say, I need to just fix XYZ. And then I will fit into this thing. And then these thoughts won't be so triggering, because that's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a never ending cycle.
1: Like so if I like, fit into the beauty standard, then I could get to the point where my body is an instrument where I it's just in service of
0: where my no, essence. you now you got to the point that like, there was one summer. Where I was working out all day, <laughs> tanning. I got my hair keratined, I got my nails done, I got my eyebrows hennaed. I was on another Miami vibe. And I really thought this is my prime, this is my peak of my aesthetic whatever. And I did feel a certain body confidence. I don't I can't really even call it that, because it wasn't a confidence in who I was. It was almost like a pride of like achieving something. It was like, and now what? And what do I do
1: with this? (laughs) Oh, interesting. You pinpointed it when you said, what now? When you experienced feeling that pride in having arrived or achieved something with your body, where it was like, what now? Because if the work around your body is in service of the body and that the body is the end goal, you're working out so that the body fits into classical beauty standards. Then you literally arrive and you're like, okay, so what now? As opposed to if the goal is for your body to be expressing you, then you never get to what now? Because like, obviously, your talents, your mission, you're always evolving in your essence. When you're working with a shell, then eventually it's like, okay, so now it's perfect. Now what? (laughs) I love how you said that. Now what? You're
0: disconnected from yourself by the time you get to that moment of now what? You're like, what even am I doing? (laughs) How did I get here? You don't know at that point you're disconnected from what your purpose is because you've been so distracted by this very time-consuming side mission that's very draining to your energy. I was telling you about this woman who has this thought that she says that when you're trying to fit in that tiny little box of beauty standards, your perception of beauty for yourself is extremely narrow. I can only be this thing and only this thing is beautiful. She had cancer and she had to have her leg amputated. Once she had her leg amputated, she didn't fit the image of what a perfect, beautiful teenage girl is supposed to be at all. And she's like, and I never would. There was no way that I ever would ever again. So she's like, and what made me finally able to see myself as beautiful and appreciate my own beauty was throwing out that idea. And she's like, and then I loved everything about myself more because I wasn't looking at that idea as that's what beauty is anymore."
1: Okay, pause. Before we continue, we have both been speaking a little bit in the abstract. When we say this is what beauty is, what is this beauty that the world considers to be beautiful?
0: And where are we trying to find their okay. definition? Okay, so when you find Torah saying beauty, they're usually talking about a person. And it's hard for us to really know what that means. Their face shone, or they say about Yosef that he was so handsome, or like David, King David, they really even when it talks about all of the foremothers, it says they were so beautiful. In Aishas Heil when it talks about the Jewish woman, it praises her for all these different things that she does. And one of the things that it says is that sheker achayin, that beauty or it gets very tricky translating all of these terms. Right, because they're pain? so mixed up in English and what we hold these terms to be. Because the hevel hayaifi. Okay, so sheker achayin is... Beauty is falsehood, or like pleasantness is falsehood, and have and it's disgusting, or it's what's it called? It's nothingness. It's, it's nothingness, yeah. It's it's low <laughs> is the beauty, but a woman who fears God should be praised. That's what it says about beauty in Aishasheil. But when it talks about all of the four mothers, when it talks about Sarah of Leia, it says every single one of them. It describes their beauty and it goes into their beauty. The difference is between when it's talking about the beauty of the mothers and when it's talking about. The beauty that is Sheker, the hain. the the is very important because it's not saying Sarah's chain or Rifka's chain or Ruffel's or Leah's chain. It's saying the beauty, beauty, just the beauty. That beautiful abstract thing. That's beauty. That's beauty standards. That's like a notion of beauty. It's not mm. beauty in its essence. Wow. But when it's talking about Sarah's beauty, then that's beauty. That's beauty that's real. That's beauty that's worthy of praise. When it's talking wow. about each of the individual mothers' beauty, then it's real beauty. And that's the beauty that we would look for. And that's the beauty of a Jewish woman. It's not hain. Like your beauty is you as you go to mikvah, like not with any of these treatments, not with any of these polishes and lotions and no makeup, no glitter, no spanks, none of that. <laughs> without all the things, that's the beauty that it's talking about is your beauty. That's you. That makes me so emotional. Hachin,
1: the beauty, conjures up the image of like an object or a thing, as opposed to Basia's beauty. Like when someone says your beauty, it doesn't feel like they're talking about your looks. It feels like they're talking about your personhood. It's a whole different definition of beauty, which is that it's a beauty that like emanates from within you as opposed to a beauty that's completely separate from you. It's like nice eyebrows as an object, nice body as an object, as opposed to you, beautiful you.
0: Yes. And I really find that people now are becoming more cognizant of that. So instead of saying, oh, you're so tiny or, oh, you're what's it called looks amazing. something perspective, they're like, you're glowing. You look so yourself. You look radiant. That's different. That's how they describe it when they say Yosef was beautiful. He was so he was so beautiful. It's not they're not saying Yosef had perfect teeth. (laughs) That's not how they're describing him. Or like they thought it was like some abstract, strange that's the measure of beauty. No, it was he emanated beauty. It's not a beauty standard. Right. Yeah, which is not oh, he ticked off all of these boxes that equal beauty.
1: So good. I love that. That's a core, core concept is that in Torah, we speak so often, we do praise people for beauty. It gets a little confusing. You mentioned how, even in a Jewish community, vanity could be something that seems to be prioritized. Sometimes there's a misinterpretation. What does the Torah mean when it says that beauty is a value? Beauty is a value. At the same time,
0: beauty is not the ultimate value. Yeah, at the same time, it's checker and it's hevel and it's nothing. One of the women's contributions. To the mishkan was the kiyor, the basin that the Kohanim would use to wash their hands, and it was made from mirrors, which the women used to seduce their husbands in Egypt. And Moshe thought they were disgusting. That's the that's the word it says that Moshe thought it was disgusting. Like this is the lowest of the animalistic desires. It's the lowest of the low, and we're gonna get so into it. And we're going to hear about why Hashem says it's the most precious thing to him. It's chavivin. It's not like Moshe's not wrong. It very quickly could become the lowest of the low. And everybody knows (laughs) that it can. It's chavivin. It's the most cherished thing. It's cherished more than anything else in the whole Mishkan, which is a metaphor for our purpose in the world and what we're supposed to do. And we use it as guidance for what we're supposed to be doing in the world. And this was the women's contribution and Hashem says it's Chavivan. And at the same time, Moshe's like, no, it's disgusting. It's the it's the lowest of the animal lows. It's the worst thing. I don't understand how we are bringing this into the Mishkan and having it be part of the service. Moshe was not into the idea. And it says, <laughs> our sages relate that the Jewish women would adorn themselves using these mirrors. They'd go to the fields and greet their husbands who were weary from backbreaking labor imposed on them by the Egyptians. They'd take out their mirrors and each one would view herself with her husband in the mirror. In this way, they would arouse their husband's desire and would be intimate with them, conceiving the future legions of the Jewish nation. They did not refrain from bringing these mirrors as donations to the sanctuary. So I just found something, first of all, really interesting. If you've learned this Mepharsh before, a lot of us have learned it as the women would use the mirrors to make themselves beautiful for their husbands. And In another translation I saw of this, it says they would look in the mirrors and they would say, I'm more beautiful than you. I'm more beautiful than you. They would take out the mirrors and they would view themselves with their husbands. And in that way, they would arouse their husband's desire. And I just thought it was very interesting before we even get into how beautiful of a level the Rebbe gets to. At the time when I just heard that, I was really blown away by These are women who were slaves. Their husbands were slaves. They were in a situation where if they had a child, they were literally risking its life. There was a decree against all the baby boys and they were being born into really bad circumstances. It's not a very desire arousing time. This is not glamorous. And the strength of these women and what they did in this scenario is go down to these fields and look in a mirror and establish that they have confidence in themselves and remind Mm -hmm. their husbands that. And when they would remind their husbands that like woke their husbands up, oh yeah, I'm not a slave. Like I'm not trapped to the slave mentality. I'm not on this low level of not being able to want something or not being able to connect to desire. I still got this. And reaching that level, saying that those women did that, that's a very high level of being able to do that, to being able to say, I'm a slave. I don't feel good about myself. I have no idea what the security is for my children. It's not so exciting to conceive a baby having no idea that it's going to survive the first 10 days of its life. That's very difficult circumstances to try to feel beautiful in and look in a mirror and be, I'm more beautiful than you. This is not, it's not an easy time to connect to feeling really beautiful. And at the end of the it says that the women did not refrain from bringing them like it points out not just that they brought them but they didn't not bring them they could have been like okay whatever we use these mirrors to seduce our husbands and it's not a big deal we won't tell anybody but no they brought them to the mishkan and they're like this is our contribution they were proud of what they did and Hashem says that it's chavivin. I love how you pointed
1: your finger at the fact that when they were saying, I am beautiful, the allure was in their sense of self and in their confidence, something that was emanating from within. They were able to draw their husband out of the slave mentality because they were seeing themselves as human beings. It wasn't their face in the mirror. It was that sense of self that was coming from deep within, which is what was so alluring. So that concept of like looking in the mirror and saying, I am so beautiful and not, I am conforming to a beauty standard, but me, me in this beautiful way of just
0: really attached to all of who I am—a beauty that's somewhere that hurt. comes from deep in your essence. When you're a slave who doesn't know what the security of her life is going to be, and you're trying to be in a state of desire, it's a state that allows you to connect on this high level, but it has a level of it that comes from self first. It's owning yourself so that you're able to make space for you and another person to be fully present. But it requires that full presence. You can't be half in. You can't be a little bit involved in trying to connect and a little bit involved with thinking about the fact that you're a slave and you have no idea what's going to happen after this. You need to be fully present in that moment. I am beautiful. I'm here right now, able to connect with you. It's a very high level. Because it's such a high level, that's why it can quickly spiral into a lower level. So you need to realize the strength of it. And not get caught up in the little itty-bitty details of, does it look like this? Does it look like that? And not get lost in the distortion. Because it's such a high-level thing, it's so easy to use it cheaply, and it will still have a lot of pull. Like, you can use it in advertising, and that's like the cheapest expression of using like a woman's alert. The highest level you could say is a man and a woman establishing legions of God. Let's make that the highest level. The lowest level, I mean, we don't want to talk about the lowest level, but there's lower level, cheap, cheap levels. Even the cheap levels are very effective because this is the most potent thing we have. What does it mean to be beautiful
1: in a way that the women of the Mishkan, what does it mean to be beautiful in a way that allows for beautiful, holy, godly children to be born? Does it mean to always have your eyebrows waxed perfectly and have a perfect physique according to the world standard? Or does it mean something no. else? And if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's Hachin, oh right? That's the beauty. But what that's is the beauty that
0: but emanates from within? Yes. Okay. So I want to just go into the text because it will answer the question. And then we'll answer the question ourselves afterwards. We can revisit it. But basically this contribution, this woman's contribution, was used to create the kiar, which was what the kohanim used to wash their hands. So the kiyar itself had no self-contained purpose in the Mishkan. It wasn't even inside. And then there was another object that wasn't inside, but it was at least like near the door. This is like off to the side, outside, really just used in prep. So It had no self-contained purpose, but it was included when they listed all the fundamental elements that they were like anointing for the Mishkan. It includes it in the list. And it also had to have enough water for four kohanim. And it included Moshe, like in the Undis for Kohanim. Aaron has two sons and Moshe. And it was the only thing in the Mishkan that had to have an element of all of the kohanim. And it had to have an element of Moshe specifically. That's just a fun fact about it. And we'll learn why that's relevant. So, there's like a conflict with the mirrors that we were talking about earlier, that it's from this super low level, that Moshe was disgusted by the mirrors, and he was not into the idea of them being there at all, and also that Hashem said, they're more cherished to me than anything else. So, the way that that is reconciled is, Hashem's intention when he created the Mishkan was that he should be able to dwell in the lowest realms which includes even the lowest possible realm so it's not just like oh hashem wants to be on the low realms he wants to be on the lowest of the low realms all the realms to the bottom <laughs> so it needed to include an element that comes even from a place where there's the potential for the lowest low so the reason why that is that Moshe saw them was discussed is because it came from a level that is inherently fundamentally associated with the animal soul that base level of attraction comes Specifically from the animal soul, and it's inherently tied up in the animal soul, so it can never be on the highest, highest level of being able to see godliness. And Moshe was at a very, very high level where he was able to see godliness in its purity as it was in its entirety. Moshe thought having gold and silver in the mishkan is low enough; like we don't need to also bring in lust. Like gold and silver is already low. Why do we need to go even lower? And God said it needed to be something from the animal soul, and not just something from the animal soul, but something from the animal soul that was used to create Sivas Hashem. And that's the word, legions, that I was reading to you in English, is Sivas Hashem. That's what it needed to create, was Sivas Hashem, and that's what's cherished more than anything else. Something that comes from this low level, from this animal soul, and still is used to create the army of focus and strength for God, from the animal soul. It's not like a Kedusha, pure Kedusha level of Avaida. It's how can you take something that's a base desire from not a high part of yourself and really make it something that is going to be a legion of God, like a dedicated warrior of God. And the Rebbe says here that a military legion functions by following orders. That's what makes a military strong. That's what, how that's how it works, which highlights this aspect of Kabbalah of taking on, I'm accepting God's mission for me, which those women who I was saying, they didn't feel good. They didn't feel beautiful. And they didn't know the security of their children that would be produced by this union. They did not, they were not in a good place. And you need real Kabbalah to look in the mirror and say, I am so beautiful and be able to Elicit that in your husband, who's also a slave, not feeling the greatest, and be like, "That creates the legions of God to be able to have that cabal soul to be able to say that." And when, wow, yeah,
1: <laughs> right? Wait, pause right there, Basia, just for a second, because that is so powerful that when you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and you're like, "Oh, I don't look nice today," right? And inadvertently, you can allow that to affect your mission. Of today and your ability to be fully embodied in your life. And then to put it that way, to say that you have to have Kabbalah's all and say, I am beautiful and my body is a vessel for my soul to speak through. It is a perfect vessel. It is a whole vessel. It is not a broken vessel. Even if the world tells me that it is broken in so many ways and I need to spend the next three weeks in a boot camp to like, you know, get my body into shape or get my face into shape or whatever it is. No, my body is whole. My body is beautiful. My body is a vessel for my mission. I've never heard it that way, that to have
0: that Kabbalah Saul of, I am beautiful as a godly thing. Gorgeous. I mean, what the Kohanim represented was this element of Bittu, of Kabbalah Saul, of giving your life to Hashem. And Moshe specifically embodied this. That was Moshe. He was Kabbalah Saul. And Hashem was by putting the Kiar in, in the Mishkan with this contribution from the mirrors, from this lower level, saying, Oh, this is Chaviv and it's the most precious to me, is saying, Imagine that bitl, imagine that level of Kabbalah Saul coming from and coming through the lowest level. Like the level that you're looking at and you're saying, That's disgusting. That's the level that, imagine that Kabbalah Saul being even there. It's a profound level of being able to Really embody Hashem put me in a physical body, it has these strengths and these capacities. And also, I think it's important to realize that when what made these women not was it wasn't that they were looking in the mirror and making themselves beautiful with lipstick, what made them so beautiful, what had that attraction, what pulled them in was this embodiment of looking in the mirror and saying, I'm so beautiful. You're not going to look in a mirror and come to a state of I'm so beautiful from a place of judgment, you really only are going to really, really have that true essence, I'm so beautiful, when it does come with Kabbalah Saul, with Hashem made me to be able to say this and experience this in this capacity right now. As a woman, Hashem made me able to do this, and I need to get out of the way with all of these judgments or ideas that I told myself about what it means to be beautiful and be able to just embody the fact that God created me with beauty to embody it and to use it for the sake of Kabbalah Saul and really step into that and realize it's the most precious contribution that we can have. And they do highlight how many children they had in Egypt and what a miracle it was, but they could say they had children. They could say they had babies, but it doesn't. It says that they created these legions. Like It creates a level of strength. Like You give kayak to the people when you're able to really accept that God created you for a function. And one of those functions, even if you're judging it a certain way and you're saying it needs to be this or it needs to be that, you know that you're able to have that level of beauty within your relationship. And you know that the way you do that is by stepping out of your own way. If you're trying to create that level of intimacy with a partner. And you're looking at yourself and you're saying, oh, are my love handles, whatever? Is this too squishy? Is that whatever? You're not really connecting. You're not really there. You have all those layers of judgment in the way. So to take on a level of saying, God created me for this. This is my essence and my birthright this is what it is to be a jewish woman of course i'm beautiful and then you can really embody that and it can come from a a level that's like true to your essence and to just bring it a little more back down to earth and make it a little more practical when you're what i was saying earlier like going back to the physicality of it you can then have a much broader idea of what it actually is to be beautiful when looking in a mirror you can say what am i trying to accomplish with how I'm looking today? Like, what am I doing? What is the purpose of my beauty and how am I evaluating beauty? It's beautiful when you're able to be expressing you confidently and in a way that feels like it's very authentic to you. You'll be able to feel that. Your whole home will be able to feel that you are so much more comfortable in your space when you're able to really step into that. I feel like I need to give more practical examples because this is all very beautiful, but this is a real struggle that people have on the real nitty-gritty level. It's not esoteric; it's very, no, it's not. yeah, it's, it's very practical. So on on that level, some of the ways that I've practiced this are one of the places where I really had to confront this, and when this really became something that I looked for the Torah perspective for was before my wedding. I had this crazy anxiety how everyone's going to be looking at me to see if I'm a beautiful Kala or not. And I don't know why, but that really stressed me out. I was like, this is such high stakes. (laughs) I don't know for what reason, but I was really misplacing my focus. And I was really anxious about that. So I actually saw a therapist who that was her specialty. She came in at just the right time. And one of the things that she was helped me do was say, you're not excited that everyone's going to be judging you to see if you're beautiful or not. And we can say, maybe it's true. Maybe there are really people out there who are going to be looking on the internet and saying, oh, that wasn't her best look, (laughs) (laughs) look better, whatever. Let's say those people do exist. We're not even going to try to say they don't exist. We're going to say, yeah, those people do exist. And you're not excited about that part of your wedding. She was like, but you're excited to get married. I'm like, yeah, I am excited to get married. So let's talk about some of the things you're excited for. And then you can start thinking about all the positive things. like What am I excited for? What is actually happening at my wedding? What is the meaning of a wedding? How exciting it is that I'm even getting married. I found someone who I want to marry. That's such a big and beautiful, wholesome, delicious idea. And I'm getting all stressed out about what people who are like four or five tiers away from me, what they're going to think of my picture. And I'm getting genuinely caught up in that. And how do i step away from that is by focusing on the well what's actually happening here that has value to me and how can i put my emphasis on that and get my mind excited about that so to start building on this idea of who i am what it means to be a beautiful bride what is it what does it mean to be a beautiful bride by focusing on these ideas i was able to have an experience where i really felt truly embodied and i wasn't judging myself and i was fully in the moment and i was so happy and free and i felt so blessed i felt like i had this day in my life where people who know my background my parents have gotten divorced and remarried and this and that and my husband's parents have gotten divorced and remarried and like a lot of just a lot of hullabaloo a lot of confusion and all blessings but chaos and It just felt like it all had purpose and harmony. And this is meant to be exactly the way it is. And there was none of that, oh, I love my family, but, or if. No, just Hashem made a beautiful, perfect world exactly the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. What's so interesting
1: about the example of your wedding day specifically is that I think sometimes we think that feeling good in our body is about feeling like pride, about looking nice or looking beautiful or feeling like our outfit works with who we are, etc. And you're saying that it's a lot more about an internal sense of, of who I am.
0: For me, it's very much and both because I am drawn to aesthetics and whatever. And I do feel like there is an element of how can I make my insides match my outsides. But I also think it's very important because there are moments where my aesthetic is not my aesthetic at all. I'm not going to always be picture portrait ready and I need to be able to be able to embody myself and not feel good like a princess, like a queen, like a supermodel. I'm saying I need to be able to feel whole, like a whole person. And when I'm chipping away at myself because this isn't reaching the standard and that's not reaching the standard and that's not reaching the standard. It's not just that I don't feel beautiful. It's that I don't feel whole. Being able to have an image of yourself and I was very careful with this on my wedding day. I really tried not and I'm not saying people shouldn't. It was just for me this was important. I didn't use extensions. I didn't straighten my hair. I didn't dye it for my wedding. I agree with
1: you that there is a value in feeling like your outsides are aligned with your insides, that you feel good in what you're wearing, that you feel physically beautiful, etc. I think the main thing is, is that sometimes you wake up and you have a giant pimple on your nose, or you feel your clothes are not fitting you right, or you gain weight and you don't feel familiar in your body. Those things are just circumstances. They're external circumstances. If they in any way interfere with your ability to live with your values, to connect with the people you love, to express yourself fully, then it's purely a Yetzirah. This is you. And like, are you a whole person who is not
0: defined by a small detail of your physical? Yes. It's so funny because everybody makes it about a feature in their head. It's it's this one feature. No, but this one really is the thing. But if only, really, if only if really, it's not about a feature or even an aesthetic overall, because I know there are so many people who are so focused on one aspect of themselves when any other person would be like wow you're so beautiful and they're like but my they have something for everybody this is different but i think that there is a level of realizing that you have the authority to decide what your beauty is to say That beauty standard is not what I have to fit into when I'm trying to express my beautiful at a wedding, or even just going to get dressed in the morning to go to work where it's, I don't need to look like a fashion queen, but I just want to feel good about myself today. I need to be dressed. And there are days where I think I'm just throwing something on that isn't necessarily something that feels beautiful or aligned. I had a day last week where I realized that I can either, I had two skirts that fit me and I felt okay with, and one of them was... Shorter, but it looked a little bit cuter, and one mm-hmm. of them was longer. And I've been trying. I'm really not that good at sneas anymore, but <laughs> I really have been making an effort, very conscientiously, to not let myself make a decision about my sneas, which is like my connection to Hashem how I'm choosing to present myself. It's something special for my home and me, and to not be, oh, I don't want to wear it because it's not as attractive attractive to who attractive for what and why am i letting that define how i dress myself maybe that means that i need for where i'm holding right now to have a couple more flowy long beautiful dresses that make me feel beautiful but that don't make me feel like i'm having to reduce myself to oh but if i just put in, wear the skirt a little bit shorter then it looks so much nicer like my legs look so much thinner okay And what is that going to do for me? Does it make me feel more beautiful to do that? And I don't think that for me that it does. It makes me think that I feel more beautiful. But really, it's just I'm judging myself according to that checker, like that ha that the beauty, that beauty standards. And I'm saying now when my skirt is short, I fit that better. Is that really Mm. showing my true beauty and really going to unlock the me that really feels beautiful? No, it's not. It's forcing myself to confine to that more. Come up with what your idea of beautiful is. Because if you're still looking for like, no, but that's beautiful. But the Natsnia style is how it really looks good. Then you're never going to be able to really embody your soul, your soul, your you, you're going to be reaching for that, which is somebody's kite. <laughs> It's kite.
1: Like, uh, that is such a practical example of how our body can obstruct our souls instead of being a vessel for our souls. When we feel badly in our own bodies, and that leads us to, you know, want to wear a skirt that doesn't align with halacha and that doesn't align with our deepest values. It's such a good example of how our bodies are getting in the way. We don't want our bodies to get in the way. Like you said, you want your body to be in preparation of, in service of your life, not as the end unto itself. Because if we live our lives as our bodies, as the end unto itself, we will get there and then we will say, now what?
0: Yeah. Or we won't get there. I think a lot of people can get sucked into it to a level where it's never good enough. That's the more dangerous side of it that shouldn't be ignored. And it's just an important thing to be cognizant of and realize that you actually have this like inherent strength and this ability to reach for this Kabbalah Salah. I like the idea of it being like a yoke because you put a yoke on a cow, you don't need to elevate the cow to that the cow doesn't have that base primal desire, like, oh, I really need to be like this, you just need to put the yoke on the cow, and then the cow will do what it actually needs to do. At those moments when it's really, really a challenge, not at the moments where it's easy, and oh, I feel wonderful today. But the moments where you're in the thick fog, that's when it's the most helpful to think of it as Kabbalah Saul. It's a yoke, just put it on and do it and go.
1: That's amazing advice to end off with is that on those days when it's hard, on those days when you look in the mirror and you hear the voices of all the advertisements and all the media and everything that you've consumed that tells you this is not the best way to look (laughs) and you are not living up to the ideal world's beauty standards. When you look in the mirror and you hear those voices to just say... God is telling me literally that I can rise above this voice and this voice can come back every single morning, but every morning I will tell it, you can quiet down, simmer down because I have work to do. I have a mission. You are my pet and you do not tell me what to do.
0: Yes. I put the yoke on
1: you. Exactly. Oh you don't put the yoke on me and and tell me to work for you. We don't work for our bodies. Our bodies work for our souls. I love that and I actually think it works, not in a mean way, but just in a firm way, which is that you are in service of my soul.
0: Yeah. <laughs> don't get are. in the way of my mission today. You're in service of my soul and also it, it helps to think that this message is not even mine. This isn't my narrative. This isn't the story I was born to tell about myself. You see like little girls put on some like tutu or whatever, and they look in the mirror and they're so happy. They feel like stunning. They're like wearing their mother's tickle backwards and they're like, I'm so beautiful. Like, you know, they're thrilled with themselves. That's your true animal soul before all these voices got their hands on it. Your true animal soul is able to be embodied. It's when you hear all these judgments and judgments, because you have a need for belonging. And if you're hearing all the time that looking a certain way is how you achieve belonging, that's how you're going to find a husband, that's how you're going to do all these things, then it's very, very, very hard to be able to feel a sense of ownership over your body when it's not meeting certain standards. And it's very easy to get all these voices stuck in your head. And it's hard to dis scramble that and find what's the essence here of what I need to accomplish today. And if it helps, if it makes me accomplish my mission more to take some time and think of what clothes feel comfortable on me, what clothes feel like they express me, what feels good for me, what feels nourishing for me, what feels like I'm able to use that to be my highest self. Nice that's a high level of what could be a low level, but that's the high level of it. That's chavivin. That's special. That's like, you're able to say, yes, I do have this part of myself that's like so hard to grapple with. And I'm going to choose to use it in a way that embodies Kabbalah that is saying, Hashem, I am completely given over to you in a way that allows me to take full ownership of myself so that all of me is present to be here for you. And I'm not some like chipped at person that's feeling all less and less and less and less about themselves because I'm not reaching up to something that isn't even what is the real peak of what you want for me.
1: Nice. Okay. Basia, thank you so much.
0: This was awesome. I loved it. This, was
1: this was is amazing. such an important concept. I, I hope- time. <laughs> Even if just one person for one day is able to show up more aligned with their soul because they're able to tell their body what its purpose is, then we're good. I'll
0: be very happy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Thank you, Basya. Thank you for sharing. i love that.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Tanya.
1: I'd like to invite you to join me at the mirror. If you're in your car and not driving, of course, then shift the rear view mirror so that you're facing your reflection. And if you're not home or in your car and there's no mirror nearby, then open the selfie camera on your phone. Meet your reflection. I want you to let your eyes graze over your soft, loose chin. Your lips, thin or full, the curve of your nose, be it too large, too pointy, your cheeks, angled or melting your skin, scarred or worn. Bring your attention to your eyes and rest there. Allow yourself to make eye contact with your reflection and witness your being with compassion. Welcome your soul into its vessel. Thank you for being here. Do not turn your gaze away from your eyes. Say to yourself, like you would to a radiant friend, you are so beautiful. Your beauty radiates from within your own essence. God asks you to see your body as a perfect vessel for your soul. What if you measured your beauty less by the size of your body Less by the clarity of your skin. And more by the way your eyes were shining. More by the degree to which you could look in the mirror and see presence. Openness. Humility. Joy. And it's okay if you want your lips to be fuller. It's okay if you want your body to be smaller or your cheeks more angled. The world spends half a trillion dollars telling your body how to be. But you are not a storefront mannequin sculpted to suit the world's needs. Your beauty is not the beauty of Hachin, a beauty divorced from who you are. It is the beauty of our foremothers emanating from within. Your soul has places to go, people to love, strangers to meet and connect with. What if instead of allowing your soul to work for your body, instead you allowed your body to work for your soul. You are so beautiful, and I know this without ever having seen your face. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Human and Holy or via email at human and holy at gmail.com new episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.